and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, you're listening to the dulcet tones of Rick, uh, speaking in the third person and alongside co-host Alex and Paula. I don't know. It happens. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about, about the games we've beaten, retired and have been playing uh, this past week, um, specifically Dungeons of the Endless, um, in addition to all the other stuff. Uh, we're going to, this week, tackle the topic of spoilers. When are they? What are they? How? Why and then, are they? <laughs> but there's no reason to ask why we're going to do the final thing that we do every single episode. Our favourite thing of the episode, and your favourite thing of the episode, it's something that we play from time to time. I'm going to get you one of these times. It's how long, how long to, to beat, beat the, game. the game. See, you're just going to make us <laughs> half sick now. <laughs> yep. I'm just staring. Yep. I'm like... I, we didn't need any help to do that, let's be fair. Um, right, in terms of completions this week, um, Paula has nada. Um, Alex has got lots. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump in with mine first because mine are quite quick. First of those is part-time UFO. It's great. It's really, really, really good. Um, what I thought was one level turned into three because the end game sort of stretched itself out a little bit longer. Um, but just more of that same goodness. I think I can see the appeal of it on mobile a little bit more having played it on switch because it is very sort of quick fire burst stuff having said that the switch port has a lot of extra content um it's nice to play with a joypad rather than um what i imagine is a less than ideal analog um like virtual analog stick sort of situation on a mobile the game itself is wonderful i'm sure it shines on either and whichever you have more ready access to I can't recommend this game highly enough, particularly at the price. It's just a few pounds or your regional equivalent. Perfect for the money. Can't can't complain at all. Uh, the second game I beat uh, is Olia for the PC. Um, fine TM. I, there wasn't anything inherently bad about it, but there wasn't anything standout amazing about it either. Uh, the pixel was pretty good. Um, the combat was enjoyable across the whole four and a bit hours runtime. The story didn't make a whole lot of sense, but I get the impression that that was kind of the point. Um, it didn't outstay its welcome, engaged me the whole way through. These kinds of games are kind of a dime a dozen, and that's the tricky thing with whether you should necessarily go and seek this game out yourself. Um, I got it on a half-price sale, and I think it was well worth that price for myself. Um, its unique mechanic doesn't do a lot. So as fun as the game isn't, and particularly as weighty as the combat feels, because it is quite a... Um, how to describe it? it, it it's beefy combat. The, the hits feel like they've got weight and heft behind them. I think it's the kind of game that you wait for a really nice sale for to get, though. I don't know that it's really worth full price in the context of all the other things that are available there. Um, have either of you played on either of these games? I feel like no. I've like no, looked getting... into part-time UFO just because it's... Um by uh hal laboratories mm. <laughs> that's how yeah, oh i got my brain i was like the kirby people the kirby people yeah literally, yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah um so i've like looked into it but i've never actually pulled the trigger on it it does sound fun mm. and you've got a nice new phone so it probably runs beautifully on that oh that's a good idea maybe that should be on my phone game <laughs> and it, it's, it's much cheaper on phone i think it's literally half the price it runs on steam and it almost never goes on sale on steam anyway so on steam on switch forgive me um <laughs> i I think if particularly you're going to be traveling a little bit, I think it's probably probably a phone one. Oh, that does seem like a great call. Actually, yeah, I'm looking at it. It's only like five bucks here, and it's like 
double that on the Switch, which I get, you know, Switch tax. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> there's extra content in the Switch version as well. There's um, a co-op mode. There's an extra like dungeony thing, stuff that I have yet to explore, and I will. Okay, yeah, that's shit I probably wouldn't do anyway. So, <laughs> and and also for for levels that are like one to two minutes at a time, it's just perfect phone gameplay. You know, pick up in two minutes. You got time while you're taking a poop. You know what? Whatever works for you. They'll turn into uh, an hour hey. on, the to- on the throne. <laughs> no, I, I'm living with you, man. Just one more level, mom. Yeah, there was like I was watching Fire Island last night. There's a new rom com that came out, and like at one point he loses his phone, like it like gets in the water, and he's just like, "What am I gonna do on the toilet?" And I was just related way too hard. <laughs> Back in the day, it was magazines. Now it's the phone. <laughs> so relatable. Um, right, that that's that's me. Those are my two games. I have nothing more to say about those. Alex, you've uh, you've had a beefy set of completions. I very much have. So I I like almost a hundred percent in Lost Judgment. Like not the stupid like town go mission shit. I fuck that noise. But like I did just about everything in this game, and this game is so fucking good. Like it is so good. And okay. I, where do I start? I have some critiques. It's a nine. It's a nine out of ten for me, but that's probably like a ninety-five out of ten because there's just a couple little things that I wish the game had kind of done to solidify it a little more. Because the main story of the game, I think, is really um, unique and fascinating. And like, okay, so Judgment tells a story that very much is about Yagami. Like it's Yagami's journey and Yagami kind of um, developing and like understanding where his role fits within the legal system right? Like he's really navigating, like, what does it mean for him to be a part of a legal system? And he realizes that a lawyer is not that world for him um, because he finds the system is quite broken and he wants to seek to kind of help it. But he does that through like the grayer areas of the law in the sense that like he's a detective, right? He's like, I don't think the cops have it. I don't think the lawyers and all that shit have got this shit. Um, I do think we need a system, but like it's him figuring this all out, right? And so this one, feels a little more like now Yagami knows where he fits within this. So now how do you tackle larger issues that maybe can't actually, that the justice system can't solve? And I was like, fucking hell, that's a huge thing that they tackle. And they mostly get it, but not really. And to be fair, how the fuck could they? They took on the problem of bullying in schools. If you expect them to come away with, like, here's the answer, you're fucking naive. (laughs) Like, it's just not, Mm. that's not possible. And I also didn't really want them to. And I actually think what they end up doing is, because they create an antagonist that's, like, kind of sympathetic. Because, like, uh, of, like, what's happening within um, the story. And, like, they comment on that, too. And anyway, so, like, the main story itself, I think, is pretty good. But it, it turns into the RGG nonsense where it, you know, it the plot is crazy, and it gets huge, and it goes, like, out there. Um, and I enjoyed it to a degree, but you do get to a point where you're like, okie dokie, we can wrap it up a little bit. But the school stories that they've done, they really did something amazing here, where they were like, okay, in Yakuza games, you've got your, you've got your main story beats, and then there's all the side cases, right? And they're usually pretty silly. Um, and in this one, they still have side cases, but there's a lot less of them and they're actually more tied into mini games and things within it um than in other ones so you actually kind of like by the end of it i had pretty much every single side case unlocked and i didn't even really go after them that intensely um there was only maybe one or two i was missing that i think kind of 
appear in premium adventure which is kind of the mode that you get when you complete the game where it's like oh you don't have to worry about shit you can just explore the town and do any kind of missions that you want um so but instead they've done this thing called school stories where there's 10 clubs and i won't spoil them because i really think it's enjoyable to find out what the types of clubs are but each club has its own mini game involved in it like one of them i will say it's literally just you play virtua fighter 5 it's <laughs> like oh, okay um and then there's others like there's there's a there is a boxing one that is like a legitimate boxing mini like game in and of itself like it it holds itself up there with some of the best actual boxing games that i've played i was like holy crap this is really good and what they do is that they're all interconnected so you're an advisor for what's called the mystery research club for this uh young with this young girl amasawa who like you're kind of investigating the school and she thinks that you're putting cameras to like peep up skirts or whatnot. So like, she like tries to like take you down and then learns like, Oh wait, you're actually investigating. And like, and so then you do this whole thing. And so it's this, like, it is like at least a 20 hour odyssey of side content. That is honestly an entire game in and of itself and multiple games within it. And it, it creates this overarching story that can actually be completed almost in any order. Really like, like, Clubs will unlock as you go through to certain points, but you can kind of progress in them at your own kind of pace and desire. Um, but they tell one large overarching story, and that story is really fun. And you actually, you really get to know all the characters really well, and all of these kids in the clubs, and you kind of, you get to know them and like um, create like attachments to them. And like, I was like, holy crap, this is really well done. Because something RGG has always been good at is character, right? Like they're really good at creating characters and getting you invested in them. I love all the characters in this game now. I'm like, oh, they're great. And sometimes they'll bring back characters from like the one, first one. You're like, I know you. <laughs> anyway, it's just kind of like fun that way. Um, and so my only complaint, honestly, is that the main story has you aiding this young woman named Coda who gets bullied. And there are these like little group of bullies there. But they're completely separate from the school stories. So that as you're playing the main story, you're kind of helping this person you don't fucking know and don't give a shit about, really. Like, because you just don't really know the character. Like, she's a no one. Like, she has nothing, does nothing, basically, in that story. And it felt to me like what they really did is they really missed an opportunity to marry the main story partially with the school stories that you do. Like, if one of those characters from the school stories was actually the character being bullied, I feel like you would have this stronger connection to the main story. I also think, though, that very likely the school stories were developed side by side with the story itself in the sense that like I, I don't know how they work but there had to have been a team who was set on creating the school stories and a team who was doing the main story there just had to be like I don't know maybe maybe not but like I feel like it's got to be the case because they're they're huge and they don't feel like they um, really connect in ways that I think they they could have that would have been really impactful so that was kind of my only complaint, but I really love what they're trying with this. And I really hope that, you know, if you get another, because I know there's there's questions about you know, where the Judgment series is going, but I, I think they'll keep going. They'll figure shit out with that other actor. It's, it, the series is doing very well for them. <laughs> so I have a feeling, and especially with like this DLC that they released, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, I think they've got plans uh, for the future with it. And I really hope that the next time that they, they continue this idea of creating like your main story and then like really substantial side stories that are actually like full you know, games in and of themselves and maybe marry the two of them a little bit together. I think that'd be good. Um, this is my favorite game I've played in a long time. Like, 
in terms of open world games, fucking nothing touches this shit. Like I, as far as I'm concerned in terms of enjoyment, like it's just, I, I was looking at Assassin's Creed, you know, like, cause I got some of them and I was like, Oh, and origins is out now with like the increased frame rate. And I'm like, but it'll never be as fun as Yakuza. <laughs> it's just those moments where I'm like, I don't want to anymore. Like, this is what I want from these open worlds, these really detailed, fun environments that you can run around in. Um, but that's the contrast, right? Like, the, the um, Yakuza, they're always like a very dense open world where the problem you tend to find with Ubisoft in particular, but also a lot of other ones, is that you end up with this really wide but shallow pond and it's so sparsely yeah. populated. And you find with most people and, and most games, a denser, smaller world will always be preferable. Yeah, I agree with you. Because that's what I feel in this, is that like every inch of this world, there's something interesting to do, but there's not there's not too much, you know? And like everything mm. that you can do feels crafted and feels like meaningful, you know? Um, yeah. Even their mini games, yeah. you're like, you know, and I didn't even do this, but like there are drone races where like you can just do a whole side quest of just fucking drone racing all the time if you want. You could deck your drone out. Like there's a huge drone racing thing in this. And I was like, I'm good. I don't want to. I don't like drone races. <laughs> but then I was like, but I'll do motorcycle races. You know, like it's just, there's there's all this shit in it. And like, I don't know. And also the dragon engine is fucking gorgeous. Like this game looks so good. Their animations are really stepping up a notch. Even the henchmen who all kind of look the same look much better than they've used to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just and oh, the English voice acting is phenomenal in this one. Like I did it. I did first judgment in Japanese. Um, but this one, I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it in English. And really good, even to the point where my partner who likes to watch once in a while was like, wow, your dub's really good. <laughs> I was like, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because <laughs> usually she's like, ah, fuck that, let's just let's do it in Japanese. And I usually agree with her. But um, they did a really amazing job and they really added a lot of like emotion and um, intensity to it, which I, I really appreciated. Um, so yeah, Lost Judgment. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I think... Um, writing on games does a story like the youtube channel like he did a video on judgment and lost judgment and i remember he said judgment was like his game of the year when it came out and i'm like yeah like this one for last year i'm like this is this was a game of the year for me for sure like when i look at that year of games if I, had i played this last year i'd have been like yeah this is the one because <laughs> it's just it's everything that's great about game and now on from that so i played like i think it was like 46 hours or something it was a long, it's a long game um they also released what's called the kaito files so one of the main characters, Yagabi's like best bud is Kaito. And Kaito is a uh, ex-Yakuza. And you don't know like a lot about him. Like he's kind of comedy relief. He's like a big monster of a man kind of thing. Like he's just very like, hey, Yagabi, like that kind of dude. Um, he's kind of like Kiryu a little bit, but without the hero kind of like God complex sort of thing. Because like Kiryu is very like, you know, like I am. Like he's like that noble warrior. You know what I mean? Like he he never wants to like, do more harm than needed but like kaito's just like i'll fuck up an asshole <laughs> like you know he's that mm. kind of guy he's like i don't care i'll beat the shit out of him um and you, but we don't get to know like a ton about him so they created this dlc and I, okay so first off i think some people talk about the dlc is fairly expensive i think it's maybe like half the price of the game or something um i think it is 100 percent worth it because this is frankly uh small games worth of content 
that is extremely polished. Like you play this and you're like, oh, this feels like it's just more of the game, um, but more streamlined. And it's not like Kaito isn't Yagami reskinned. Kaito is his own fighter entirely. Oh, I didn't even mention the fighting in this is the best the series has ever been. It's incredible. <laughs> um, so fluid, so smooth and so much fun. Um, and I do kind of recommend the season pass because they give you a shit ton of stuff in Lost Judgment that's really fun and good, um, including a uh, fighting style called Boxer that is like fucking goat. Like it just decimates the enemies. Um, but Kaito fights a little bit like Kiryu. Um, he's got a tank style where like he picks up kind of like the beast style from Yakuza Zero where like he picks up uh, items and just mashes people with them. Like, you know, pick up a fucking scooter and just beat the shit out of a guy, which I'm not even sure Yagami could pick up scooters. I don't remember him ever being able to. So I think Kaito could pick up more stuff. And like they show his character even through, there's these chase sequences and the chase sequences, Yagami is always really nimble. And so he'll like jump onto the sides of buildings and stuff. If there's like people in his way or like he'll dodge them. And Kaito, he just goes like, get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> and like pushes people out of the way as he's running. Oh, it, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's such a bulldozer. So he's got this tank style and a B style. And like, instead of Yagami, who's like, you know, always thinking, um, Kaito is very much like an animal in the sense that for his detective stuff, he's got like primal sense and hearing and like seeing. So like he can like sniff things all the time. And so like all over the world, there's like these little like sniff icons. And like I got all of them. I 100% did the Kaito files. Like I got everything because it was super fun. And it's only like seven hours, I think. Um, but it tells this really amazing story um, that's like, honestly, like it, it had themes from Yakuza Kiwami, but it felt like it felt a little bit like it felt like Yakuza Kiwami if the story was good because <laughs> Kiwami's is not very good. It, like, it was the first Yakuza game, all right, you know. Um, but this was just like to me, it was like, oh look, this is the refined story, and also look what they can do when they don't add any fluff into it. Wow, <laughs> like really concise, incredible story um, that really sets up Kaito in a way that I'm like I'm really hoping, and I would kind of love it if. Because they've done this with the Yakuza series where they've split the story between, you know, I mean, Yakuza 0, the best of the bunch, really, is split between Kiryu and Majima. And I'm like, man, I would love it if the next Judgment game was split between Yagami and Kaito because they've really shown that Kaito can stand his own as a character. Um, and he's now developed this kind of cadre of really interesting people. And he's left in a really fascinating personal place at the end of this uh, DLC that felt like a really satisfying story, but also feels like it sets up for Kaito to really um, kind of bloom and, and become more of a character even more. So, yeah. And it, it, it's interesting, the real-life context as well, right? Isn't it? Because uh, if I remember correctly, there's some rumblings that this is maybe um, the publisher testing the water for him becoming the protagonist if they can't get around the legal dispute with whoever plays the judgment guy. And yeah, Taka, Taka something. Uh, shit. Spoken like someone with absolutely zero knowledge of the series, but yeah, the Judgment Guy. The Judgment Guy, yeah, no, no, I know, I know. Well, yeah, I've heard this stuff. The more I look it up, though, the, the less I can actually find any good, um, like, like I don't know where the rumors are coming from. I know it's because there was issues with getting the PC port. Takuya Kimura, that's it. Takuya Kimura, yeah. Because um, he's like a big actor there or whatever. Because there was issues with the PC ports, I think. They didn't want to have uh, him on PC or something. But anyway, um, I would believe that. And if that was the case, then they fucking did a good job. <laughs> like, honestly. Mm. Um, the only thing that could be an issue is that Kaito is a lot like Kiryu, right? Um, and 
as fun as he is, I'm I'm a little concerned that if they go full in on him, that now you're like maybe like going a little too close to um to Yakuza territory, right? Now they do distinguish him a lot. Like I think he is very distinguished from Kiryu, uh, but I would love to see in an ideal world him and uh, Yagami working together, but being playable characters and like really like creating a story that like you know what honestly exploring their friendship as the next one I think would be kind of cool <laughs> because like they don't really explore it that much. Like I mean they're best buds and you know they're connected and we know we kind of know why they're connected because they they have this shared kind of Yakuza daddy who is their uh their like adoptive father basically in a lot of ways right um and mm. so that's there but I would also kind of love to see like because Kaito's always kind of like playing second fiddle to Yagami in a lot of ways right like Yagami kind of gave him a job sort of there and I would love to see something that kind of pushes them to like really figure out who they are for each other in some ways and like uh, and outside of that anyway that's my dreams for the future all I can say is that they're in such good hands right now like they have really done the most important thing which is set up the yakuza series for seven right they've set up that new character because each one is incredible and now they have yagami and kaito who are both awesome uh protagonists in this other separate series and so i'm just like they're in a great place man and like getting to play this game where you're in ijincho and now the kaito files is all kamarocho which i just love being there at this point but like now knowing that you can basically with each one introduce new locales that you can then use in the other game. That's fucking genius, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was like, I, like, personally, I just respect that for game developers. I'm like, yo, you guys have made a great cheat code here that to me feels really fun because in one, you know, in Yakuza 7, you're strolling around doing roll like, you know, turn-based battles and then you come in in judgment, you just fucking wipe the floor with assholes because <laughs> you're like, I am all powerful. Whereas in Yakuza 7, you're like a little, you need to be careful a little bit because uh, let's just say turn-based battles, you can fucking lose. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Lost Judgment mm-hmm. is much easier, I'd say, than other Yakuza games um, in a good way. Uh, I think anyone who's played a Yakuza game knows that the bosses fucking suck. They are so cheap sometimes. Like, oh my God. And not the case of Lost Judgment. They're very well balanced and like overall probably a little too easy. You could bump up the difficulty if you really wanted to. But I also don't think any of us come to the Yakuza games to have hard-hitting, incredibly challenging beat-em-up fights. It's just not why I'm here. (laughs) I'm here for decently challenging fights, but not the worst. Um, Anyway, that's it on uh, Lost Judgment. Like I said, buy the game, get the season pass. Um, I I felt I actually it's interesting I felt good buying the season pass because I was like you know what I bought both Judgment and Lost Judgment on sale for like more than half off I got to play Yakuza 0 and fucking Yakuza 7 for free um, through Game Pass and so I'm like you know what I'm kind of cool with this and then I, I bought Kiwami and Kiwami 2 like really on sale because they get them for like five bucks now occasionally when they're on sale so I'm just like you know what I'm going to throw some money their way because they've done some good shit I'd be really curious to see how their like numbers have grown since Game Pass because I have a strong feeling that that made some big waves in the Western market for for the Oxus series. I don't think they've like given out anything, but they might have. Who knows? If someone knows, tell me. <laughs> um, so that, anyway, that's Lost Judgment and Lost Judgment: The Kaito Files. Uh, I also beat Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, and when I say I beat it, I, I beat it with one of the knights. It's it's kind of a roguelike puzzle game kind of thing, right? Um, I think I talked about this a bit last week. Very fun. 
you go through, you're kind of like uh, attacking enemies um, and you're trying to get them in like big groups and you're basically just trying to escape every level. Um, there's like three chests that you'll get and you get keys and then you'll get a little door. And I think, um, so like the ending I got is like the basic one, right? Where you go through and you defeat the puzzle master at the end of the, of like all these levels and you kind of get the credits and you escape. I believe there's like a truer ending or like a more challenge thing where you have to collect pieces of this key as you're going through all the levels um, and get to these little portals. And then I think when you get the full key and like unlock something near the end, that's like maybe like a special final actual, like you really beat the game kind of thing. Um, but I have no interest. <laughs> it's a rogue, like you know what I'm like with these things, man. I never fucking played it all the way through. I, I just I beat it once and then I go, oh, I'm done. <laughs> um, unless you had give me really a good reason to come back. Even Hades couldn't pull me back. I remember, like I think I I beat it and I beat like one of the initial things and then because you have to do it like ten times, right? And I was like, uh. How about you suck my dick? I'm not doing it ten times. Um, (laughs) Yeah, lol. I beat it twice and then I watched the rest on YouTube. Exactly. That's what I did too. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, but like, what the fuck? No. (laughs) Um, Uh, I I, I have some sympathy with Hades because there was kind of at least gameplay justification. It's like, I get it, but also I know... Oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I get it. But no, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm for other people that love it, and I'm like, I, you know, kudos to them, right? Like, I'm happy for them. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just it's fun. I think it's really good. It's a really quality title. If you like Shovel Knight, I think you'll really enjoy this. Um, if you enjoy puzzle games of any variety, like especially the drop down kind of puzzle games, you're gonna love this one as well. It's really fun. Worth it. Worth the price too. It's only like twenty bucks. I was like happy to pay that um, for this experience. I also beat a very cool game called Strange Horticulture, which mm-hmm. um, I'm not gonna say a ton about this because I know Paula's gonna play this soon because <laughs> she's got this. It is a detective botany game where, oh my god, fuck! How do I even explain this? It's so cool. Okay, so. You're a horticulturalist, right? Which means you sell plants to people, right? So think of it almost like almost like papers, please, in some ways, where you've got like um, a shelf of all these plants and they're unidentified, and you have uh, you have all of these things that you can use. You've got a book that has pages that help identify plants, but they don't show you pictures of the plants. They'll just describe the plants a bit and like kind of what they do, uh, maybe other ways that they're called. And so what you're doing throughout the game is you are trying to identify your plants give the correct plants to people. But then there's also a big mystery that's going on. Kind of this fantastical mystery. And it's like in the 1800s. And they're all, they're all you know, fake plants. It's a, it's a different world. Um, and so you'll ring a bell. Customers will come up. They'll ask for something. Once you find it, you, can, you have to label them yourself, right? So once you figure it out, it'll confirm that that is the plant. Then you have little labels that you put on. You type them out. You figure those things out. Um, there's a map. And so you can go exploring, which will help you find new plants. will help you find different things. Um, there are choices that you can make throughout the story that will really impact the end of it. Um, the only, the only thing that kept this game from being a 10 out of 10 for me is that it just has basically one ambient track that repeats. That is nice, but it gets grating eventually. So what I did, and this worked really well, was I literally looked up like detective thriller playlist on YouTube 
and I just turned the music volume down and I played that and it was so good. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I got like real intense. Um, the part where I was just kind of like, I wish you guys had just kind of done that with it. Um, and I suggested to Paola, I sent her the link and I was like, just play this. Trust me, it's good. <laughs> uh, Alternatively, if you're at home, it could be a great one for a podcast. Say the How Long to Beat podcast. It's true. You it's just the only thing is you have to do a lot of reading. So I really do think it should be ah, instrumental. Okay. There's a lot of reading in this. So you should Let's really set my it. joke to one side, then forget that. <laughs> but no, but because I, I thought about that too, but I was like, nah, that doesn't work. Um, yeah. And it's not a very long game. Like it's like five, six hours long, I think. Um, so just five, five, find a five hour little playlist video and you're good to go. <laughs> um, and it's amazing because by the end of it, you really like start to know these plants. Like I had someone come in and they're like, oh, I need this particular thing. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what plant you need drag it and bring it in without having to check my stuff and i'm like i know what you need like that kind of deal i had them all arranged alphabetically so i knew which ones to pick and you end up making like elixirs and like all these things and there's all these cool items that you'll find that'll do different stuff and uh i i like kind of like i guess you could say 100 in the sense that like i ended up labeling all the plants um which was really fun because they let you kind of do something at the end um if you've got most of them so yeah uh really cool game not very expensive uh pretty cheap it kind of stealth released this year and it's like one of the top rated games on open critic for the year actually. Um, but I just, I never heard anything about it. I was like, I don't know what the fuck game was. And I just sort of, I didn't even know how I found it. I think it was because I was looking at fantasy critically and I was on open critic and I was like, what's this game? <laughs> I just gave it a click and was like, Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah. Anyway, sorry. There was a lot. I played a lot this week, <laughs> but Paolo, mm-hmm. you got this one up coming up soon, right? Oh, you're, you're muted. Oh. <laughs> um, there. Uh, I wasn't muted. The microphone wasn't just picking up my voice for some reason. But anyways, um, well, I haven't beaten anything like in a while. Uh, I have been playing a lot of stuff, but I also retired one of the games. So the pedestrian. I already explained that it was like a game where you are like these signpost kind of like hacker and you have to um, rearrange like some signposts in a way that you can solve the puzzle and go to the next level. The thing with it is that it grew old really quickly for me, and it got a little bit tedious the more stuff they added to it. So I just retired. Like it is a good game. It is not like the the a good puzzle game like for me in particular. So, yeah, that's my whole story with the pedestrian. Um, I'm very curious about your retirement, Rick. What happened there? Uh, what happened is that whoever, I say whoever, Grezzo, um, the, the sort of second-party developer who ported Luigi's Mansion to the 3DS, uh, did not get the controls right at all. So, obviously, I mentioned it briefly on the podcast last week. I just started it at that point. It is very, very pretty. Visually, they did a really good job. But... The, the whole sort of vacuuming ghosts thing relies on you being able to aim at the ghosts, which is kind of tricky um, because you only have the one stick. And even on a new 3DS, which I'm using, um, because as well as sort of aim left and right, you have like up and down, uh, the little camera nipple on those consoles is not great for like precise control. It's really good for, like, nudging a camera around. I did dabble with Xenoblade Chronicles' port briefly, and it was quite good for that kind of purpose. Um, 
but it, it doesn't really work well in this context. And that's compounded by the fact that whenever you try and sort of um, activate the flashlight strobe thing, um, that locks you um, into a, a facing direction and then everything you do is strafing. So because that is more powerful the longer you charge it up, what you really want to do is charge it and then aim where you want to go. But you can't really do that because the moment you start charging it, you're in a fixed camera direction. So if you're running away from a ghost, what you actually want to try and do is stop, turn around. But to do that, you're either going to aim way off or run back towards them in very claustrophobic tight rooms. Uh, and then and only then charge this thing that relies on being charged as much as you can get away with charging it. Um, I, I played the first few rooms of it, got very frustrated very quickly. I may well emulate the GameCube version at some point in the future and give it a try, but I just don't have the time or the patience or the inclination to try and fight through it on 3DS, which this is a is shame. the first it. one, right? It is. Yep. I mean, I don't remember right. Dark Moon having a bad reception at all, so I wonder if that's controlled very, very differently. I do have a copy of that. That's so. the one that I beat, Dark Moon, and I beat in the new one, uh, which is fantastic. It's the best of them all. Oh, uh, yeah, number three. Yeah. Dark Moon, I had a lot of fun with, I remember, but I've never actually played the first one, and I don't think I ever will, probably, just because now that I've played two and three, it's like, I, I just, I have a feeling it's not better than the second and third one. <laughs> It's an interesting one because two released on the 3DS before one was ported. So mm. although they may well function differently mechanically, it does seem strange that that one worked just fine. And then you had a lot of people complaining about the controls of one. Like I said, I haven't played two yet. So it'd be interesting to see how I find that. I may well nudge that up the, the priority list. So I think it's so in comparison. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't remember if Luigi's Mansion is different in this sense, but I think what was different in Dark Moon is that they kind of took a level-based approach to it more than, like... One big mansion, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that actually was better suited to the 3DS, to be honest. I can imagine that, I can imagine that. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't get far enough to know whether the level design was a problem, that's the thing, it's just the controls were so on the face of it awkward, um, they just put me off the whole enterprise. Uh, so... Like I say, may well go back to it on Dolphin or something like that. Uh, I will definitely give the sequel a try. I have the cartridge bouncing around, so I might as well. Um, but for the time being, it just wasn't something I wanted to give any more time to, unfortunately. Um, and just round out a clean sweep of retirements, you have one, Alex, by the name of Craftlands, which I've just had a quick look on. Stack it's like a That same difference, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's a sock pop game. <laughs> um oh okay yeah it's really fun the only reason i retired is because i just got my fill like do you know i paid like oh, maybe a buck for this like it was very cheap but it just looked fun mm. so it's basically like it's like a deck game kind of where like you're stacking resource it's like a what the fuck how do you describe this it's like a resource management deck game so like you get like these booster packs you open them up and you're like making a village and you're trying to survive and you'd have enough food um, by the other day and so like you have to like figure out like what combinations of stacks create new things um you'll receive ideas like you sell things for coins and you just go through and like you can get all this you can get chickens and animals and like there's all this stuff that you can do all these combinations um it's very fun but it does get to a point where you get very overwhelmed because there's so much shit going on and you're like oh what should i fucking do next <laughs> and you're just like so i got to the point where i was like okay i'm done like i i did most of the stuff like i probably got like three quarters of the way through and then all that was left now was kind of the hard shit and i was like I think I'm okay now. 
Like I've, I've, I experienced this. I had fun with it. I recommend it for people who want to give it a shot. Cause again, you know, sock pop, they're fun for those who don't know. I think Rick actually were the one who told me about this before. Um, but they're like a collective, uh, who have a Patreon and they, they put out, um, small games every month, I think. Um, and yeah, they, I yeah. think it's every other month now, possibly. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Cause they, they also have like a, they have like bigger games that they're working on and then they'll put out these smaller things. And like, this is one of those smaller ones. And some of them, this one, I think in particular Stacklands, I think was one of the ones that was kind of like very well received. Cause like, I think they all, you know, they're up and down, right? I mean, come on, they're making a bunch of games. Um, but some get like where you're like, Oh, this is really, this is it, you know? And this is one of those ones that's like that. And so I, uh, I did enjoy it. Um, but I had no reason to keep going. I was like, I had my fun. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah, they're a weird one. I, I've played a couple of the games and like the ones that I've played. I pay for the monthly Patreon, but I really don't get my money's worth. But that's just a, a me thing where I'm not doing enough with the games that they release. I probably should do more with that radio or cancel it. Mm. But it, I mean, it's it's there if people want to go and check it out. It's it's a cool little initiative. It's a nice mm. nice way of doing it, I think. And their shit's on sale like a lot on Steam. So, you know, pick it up when they're a little cheap. A few that you really yeah. want. Have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Shall we move on to what we're playing then? Um, yes. Who wants to talk? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'll jump in because, again, I don't have a lot going on. Certainly not a lot new going on. Um, I'm, I'm in a bit, of, a bit of a lull sort of consolidation period. Um, so still playing Golf Peaks. Well, let me try that again. I'm still playing Golf Peaks on Android. Uh, I'm on World 9 of 10. And then I've got a few bonus missions to play after that. But I reckon I'll have that finished soon. It's still excellent. It's still um, throwing new tile sets and rules at me. Uh, still feels very creative. It's got a lot of life in it. Um, it's worth saying the music is lovely ambient stuff. And the art style is so clean. It all comes together so wonderfully. It's a real nice package. Um, and the controls are perfectly suited to mobile. It's really designed around that medium um i can't speak highly enough of this game it's, it's a wonderful little um time waster puzzly type thing um again on my specific weird phone the formatting is not always perfect but i i'd be remiss to hold that against the game um the, the game itself is really really excellent and i suspect um it, it's gonna it's gonna be done before too long because I, I keep going back to it in all the little gaps of time that i have um, still playing Risk of Rain 2. That's still brilliant. Still playing The Witcher. Uh, that is still surprisingly good for the age and, and the everything else. Uh, I am resolved to try and finish this soon. I know I keep saying <laughs> that, but I've, I've got, as of the time of recording, I've got a couple of uninterrupted days off where it's just going to be me at home. And I've got like a few bits and bobs that I need to do, but I've got some peak gaming time. And so help me, some of that will be spent playing The Witcher. Um <laughs> Some of it will also be spent playing God of War Ascension. Uh, I'm about a third of the way through this. I think someone got the wrong memo and thought they were making a Greek-themed Uncharted spin-off. It's a very strange experience because you've got like Uncharted-esque climbing segments. Way too many you fall into a slidey pit and you've got to move yourself left and right segments. Mm. It, it doesn't feel like God of War about 50% of the time. Now, the 50% of the time that it is God of War, once you get over the, the, the slight sort of mechanical changes that I mentioned last time, the God of War side of the game is actually quite good. It, you know, it's more God of War. Um, it, it does what you're expecting it to. It still feels and looks and plays very, very well. 
definitely feels a bit phoned in in terms of enemy variety and, and world design and also the story to the extent that it has one but as a package it's such a weird mishmash of things um in in all the other influences that that it's taking uh i'm, I'm really excited to play daddy of war god of war for the ps4 not only because <laughs> of just how many plaudits that game got but you like that one, did you, Daddy of War? I do like that one. That's Boy. good. Boy! Um, <laughs> Boy! <laughs> having played all the series, you can really tell that, that by Ascension, they've done everything they could and or wanted to do with the structure and the format that they'd built up. And you can see them sort of trying to do something else. I think in this instance, it really doesn't work. I think where they looked was possibly the wrong place or, or the way that they implemented it didn't work. Um, I. Some of that's maybe me personally as well, because I've always found the Uncharted games horrendously overhyped. I find the climbing sections uh, astonishingly boring. You're, you're literally just pointing your stick in a direction and watching the thing. Um, it, it, it's not a good gameplay as far as I'm concerned. Um, ditto the slidey segments. Like If you have one or two, cool, that's great. Like the Dead Space approach where you have that one bit, minus spoiler, where the tentacle grabs you and you're in this on-rails thing. But it's a curio. It's not like a staple mechanically of how that game works. Um, so I, I don't think they got it right in this instance but it's going to be so interesting to see the evolution of it and where they then take it in the, the complete sort of reimagining of God of War as a, as a property that, that seems to have happened on PS4 um, seems quite short though HLTV have it around about the 6 hour mark I'm just over 2 hours in um, I, I suspect I'll have it done um, I, I normally fall a bit under those times anyway, so we'll mm. see how that goes. Um, and the last one I'm still playing is Days Gone. Still great. Still great in short bursts. Still nothing groundbreaking. It, it's one of those I think I'm probably just going to be chipping in and out of it for the next while. And eventually it's like, oh, it, it finished now. Oh, right. It, such a weird one. I feel like I say this every time I talk about the game. Like I get why it didn't work for so many people. It kind of works for me, but even for me, it's not really moving the needle too much. Mm. Um, but it, it is nice, and there are good things about it, and the moment-to-moment gameplay is pretty fun, um, particularly in the moments that it allows itself to give emergent gameplay. Um, you know, when you're trying to clear out a nest and then a horde shows up out of nowhere, as happened to me earlier today, and you end up like running for your life and just like picking things up on the fly. I, I think it's a shame that there aren't more opportunities for the game to give you that kind of situation to work around. Um, I understand it's not so easy to design, uh, particularly in such a big project with so many moving parts, but that that's where the game is at its most fun, and, and those moments are too few and far between for me, I think. But again, free on PS Plus, even if I end up giving up on it halfway through, I'll have, I'll have done very well for the price. Um, right, which of you two would like to jump in and tell us about what you're playing? Paula's got a hand up. There we go. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I haven't been playing. Uh, uh, I want to say I haven't been playing much as I usually would like to play, but especially since I have a test going uh, coming up. So uh, hopefully, like next week, I'll have like more progress or at least have finished one of these games. So first of all, variable variegate. I have like barely, barely dipped my toes on my on the 
fourth route of the game. Not much to say yet. Hopefully, it is a good route. Hopefully. Um, Taiko Natatsuji, the drum master on Game Pass. I've been training to try to um, be my boyfriend's score on some of the tracks, and and it has been um, rather a fruitful endeavor in a way, because I've been getting better and better at this like, kind of game. Still, I wish I could have uh, an actual Taiko drum. Still, it, it, that's still my little dream right now to have one of those Taiko drums to, to play that way. But the controller we have to do right now, which it's fair, it's still fun. Um, one of the games I've been playing a lot more of is Murder by Numbers. I'm on the final case, and who oh boy, this game has really been the plot has been thickening a lot, and yeah, I really, I really want to know like how this will end up, like what's gonna be like the the ending of, I guess, the scouts and. Um, Honor's little story here, and if it will be a happy ending. Plus, no, that would be spoiler, so I won't talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah. And also, I've been playing Genshin Impact. I'm still on the second region, that is Lijue, which is based like on China. I really want to jump to the next region, but it seems it's not the case quite yet. I still have to meet with some important people here. And I'm pretty sure there's like three or four characters I haven't met yet, so this will take a while. Also, there has been finally a change in the banner, and I'm trying to get via... I, I'm hopefully gonna get... Um... What's the name of this character? Oh my god, someone's someone's gonna be like <laughs> not happy because I was forgetting Charles' name. That is like one of the animal kind of like wind element characters of the of the game. Yes, that one. And Alex is just <laughs> nodding, like, yeah, not making any sense to you guys. Well, I mean, I don't the know. The thing with <laughs> yeah, the thing with Genshin Impact is that they're like. Seven elements that are, um, I'm trying to remember that like, the exact names because it's like electro that is electricity, anemo that is wind, um, creo that is ice. I don't remember what the name for the water one is. It's probably just water. Um, geo that is earth. A dendro that is kind of plants, but there aren't any um, characters with that element quite yet. And I'm missing one. <laughs> oh, fire. Yeah, fire. Ah, yes. Yes, classic. <laughs> classic. Uh, so, right now, I'm trying to get one character that is like a wind-based character, anymore-based, that is very, very popular, and it deals a lot of fucking damage, so I really want him on my party. But it is... Uh, Five stars, so I'm pretty much gonna have to um, roll a hundred times with the frequency the game gives you. Uh, I'm praying to RNG so that the video systems actually 
favor me because otherwise I'm just going to have to start saving up for the uh, next banner because I'm not going to get uh, this animal boy without some heavy lag on my side. So yeah, that's Genshin Impact. Um, I'm still not so sure it was a good idea to go back to Gacha Hell, but anyways. Um, oh, and on those like weird things that happened like at 2 a.m. the other day, I was like, oh, I wish I could play some Pokemon X. Hey, I should make it a Nuzlocke. So I, I don't know if I explained the rules of the Nuzlocke before, but here we go. First of all, you have to catch the first Pokemon you see on every route, and only you get you only get to catch that first Pokemon you see on every route. Um, you rule number two: if the Pokemon faints, it dies. It is permadeath. You're fucked. Um, a continuation of rule number two is that if your whole party dies, it is game over. And finally, you have to name every Pokemon because that way you get closer, you grow closer to them. And when they die, it is a lot more painful. So yeah, right now I um I have uh I started my adventure with a Fennekin, which by the way I was like, oh, I really need to make this random. So instead of rolling a dice, I went I asked my boyfriend, hey, can you choose a number between one, two, and three? Okay, two. Okay, that's Fennekin. Let's go. And uh, I got like I I got a Pikachu for some it, reason, <laughs> which was like a, a rare encounter on the Santon Forest. I got um a Vivillion right now, which I haven't really used in battle. It's for like that father in case I really need to switch out to uh, heal some of my my more useful Pokemon. And for the first time like ever, I have a Squirtle. I have never used a Squirtle in a Pokemon game ever. So that's gonna be interesting. Hopefully, so far so good. Um, though I have to say, like Pokemon X has the kind of like a uh, pacing problem in the sense that the distance between Gym One and Gym Two is like four fucking ever. Mm. That like, sounds like way too stressful to be fun overall. To be fair, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, but also like why? <laughs> mm? Like, to be honest, it is way more fun when you have, like, when you are, like, not slacking with at least one other person. So you can, like, uh, make almost like a chronicle of your adventures. Yeah, but I mean, uh, games are yeah. more fun with other people in general. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But in particular, I don't know. I, I like Pokemon that sometimes I just really need to spice things up. And yeah. um, well, Permade, Permade seems to be the thing in Fire Emblem, so why not in Pokemon? I'm also just just messing around, but like I, I get it. I've actually considered doing Nuzlocke before, just because I was like, I kind of want to play Pokemon again. Why not do it hard? <laughs> <laughs> but then I quickly realized that why I like older Pokemon is because it's fucking brainless. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that says about me or Pokemon, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> It is what it is. Um, I don't know. I like like the more relaxed kind of play, uh, gameplay that Pokemon has, but also like from time to time, it's like I need some drama in my gameplay. And yeah, I'm having more flashbacks to that Platinum Nuzlocke. Yeah, Cynthia was almost the end of that run. 
anyway. Um, for the other two games that I'm playing, I started playing uh, Stardew Valley with my boyfriend. We're doing a co-op run on Game Pass. Oh yeah, Stardew Valley is on Game Pass, so that was a big help to convince him to join me on this adventure. Mm. Um, so far, so good. Like, the way that it, the game is set up, I was kind of like doubtful it would be like uh, any more like I want to say fun or engaging, having like two people playing, but it's actually like quite a lot of fun. Like Rick said, like or like you two said, like there it is um, by default more fun to play uh, something together than to play it by yourself. But yeah, and finally, I finished case one on the Great Ace Attorney. Yeah, adventures on Switch, and. This one is going to be sitting in my backlog for a little bit because I want to finish Murder by Numbers and then go to the strange, how do you say it? Horticulture? Strange horticulture. Horticulture, yeah. You'll beat that in a day for sure. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, because I don't have a good track record of playing too many hours like lately because I've been rediscovering my love for books. So that's other reason the other reason why I've been like completing less games lately, uh, don't hate me. So yeah, those are the games that I've been playing. Um, Alex, take it away. All right. Um, not a lot actually to do the same thing because I just beat so much shit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. still playing Warriors: Legend of the Blue Dragon. I mean, kind of. I'm not really playing it. I actually haven't played it in a while. I'm, I'm saving it for when I go. Uh, away and Final Fantasy 4 Advance saying I'm kind of saving it because it's like you know it's a handheld um, game uh, but I did start playing Sifu on PC because um, it was on sale and uh, I think I'm also going to save this one for next month uh, just because I don't want to get into too much like a PC game at the moment because I want to beat all my Xbox games frankly uh, or a number of them but Sifu is really really cool um, it's so it's roguelike, roguelite, I'd say, but I I don't even know if I if, if that's the right way to quantify it. So basically, it's a martial arts game, right? Where um, your master is killed, uh, who's also your dad, um, and you're your your sifu, um, and you're going on a revenge quest to kill these five martial artists, and it's over five levels, and you're killed by one of them at the beginning of the game but you're kind of revived and you have this magical, these magical, I'm sure they have actual like um, cultural significance as well. I just don't know what they're, what they're in particular they're called, but there's like these sort of beads. And so the conceit of the game is that as you play, when you die, you age um, first by one year. Now, as you age, as you hit decade marks, your damage will go up but your health will go down. And your health doesn't even go down by that much. It's not, it's not a ton. You just lose some of your health bar. Um, now, what's really interesting is that when you do die, um, you have like a death counter that starts at zero and it'll tick up to one. So then you're 20 years old to start. So the first time you die, you become 21. Now, if you kill the enemy that killed you afterwards, um, or, you know, I'm not even sure what all the criteria is, but there's certain moments that you perform well, your death counter will return back to zero, right? But if you die 
again before doing that. So for instance, at a boss, which are quite difficult, your death counter doubles, right? So you'll go like, or I guess it just creeps up by one. I think actually that's, that's more appropriate. So it goes zero to one, one to two. So now imagine you've died and you go two to three, you were 21. Now you're 24, right? Like, and so it increases a lot until you get to the age of 70. And then that's the last kind of point you can go to. Now, if you're like, say at like 67 or something and they add seven, then like, that's fine. It'll just add a bunch to it. But then the next time you die, you're dead once you're over 70. Um, and you can get these skills that you can unlock on like the skill tree and you can unlock them once in a run. Um, but then if you unlock them five times, they become permanent upgrades. So really all you're doing is like you, you pick which ones are the best one as you go through a run and you just put experience into that so that it fully uh, levels up. Um, I found out that the combat is actually really similar to Yakuza. <laughs> and so when I got into it, I, I barreled through the first level. And that first boss, like I, I got through pretty darn good. I think I was at like 25. I only died like, I think like two or three times as I was going through it, um, which was pretty good, I think, for a first freaking go. Uh, then I got my ass kicked by the second boss because <laughs> mm. I really was like, okay, I clearly don't know how to properly block and dodge yet. So um, this is a game where really you just, you have to just practice like a Kung Fu master would and get really good and, and used to the the controls. Um, it's really fun. The takedowns are incredible. The, there's like a moment that like, there's an old boy moment in here where like you go through a hallway and you're fighting all these fuckers and it's freaking awesome, man. And like, uh, I just say that it's, it's probably one of the best fighting games I've ever played in terms of like beat em up brawlers because it really focuses in on like, oh, and what's cool is that when you, you could do these takedowns with Y and B and when you do a takedown, um, cause you build up this kind of meter on enemies, like by getting consistent hits on them. Um, you can do this YB takedown. And if you take down an enemy, you actually restore a bit of your health. So they really incentivize you to like take that, hit the enemies at that point, take them down with a takedown. And you also want to like, you're really trying to do kind of um, crowd control because mm-hmm. you know how, so when I play Yakuza and I kind of tested the other day because I was doing the Kaito files and I had to like put a big, like there's this guard move that you can do. And so I needed to get a bunch of them to unlock a thing. And I noticed that as I would wait, none of the other enemies would come at me. It's just the one guy, he'd look at me and he'd fight me, right? Even though there's like six or seven guys around me. That is not the fucking case in Sifu. <laughs> in Sifu, mm-hmm. one dude's attacking you, the other guy's like, and here I come. <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. oh shit. So you have to really do crowd control. And so a lot of that is like genuinely like run away from people, move, vault over something, make someone chase you, fucking hit them, pick up a weapon, smash them around, right? Like really consider like button mashing is not your friend, right? Um, it'll get you so far maybe in that first level, but you'll get fucked by any of the bosses or even just some of the stronger enemies that you face as you go along. Um, so yeah, there's five levels. When you beat a level though, if you die, you don't go all the way back to the start. You just return to the beginning of that level. And so you can actually go and then replay an earlier level to lower your amount of deaths that you've taken. So like, I'm probably going to spend some time just kind of not necessarily grinding, but like playing through the first level. And what's also interesting is that as you beat a level, you'll get items that can unlock shortcuts within a level so that you Mm. can actually replay the level, but in shorter time, having to fight fewer enemies, which also means more likely that you don't raise your fucking death counter up crazy high, right? Um, Until you can get towards the end of it. And then is it like you start off, say, level two from your best finish from level one, in essence? From your last finish, basically, I think. Right, 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 right. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the idea. 
Um, and then, yeah, and so so on and so forth as you as you keep moving along, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a really, um, really intriguing, well-designed, smartly designed, I think, in terms of its elements coming together, right? Like, I think the, the roguish elements. This is also why I hesitate to call it a roguelike, because I'm like, it's really more of an arcade game that has some persistent upgrades to it, right? And, like, persistent things. But, like, to me, it doesn't really feel roguelike because it's not like the levels are changing as you play through them that's not the idea it's arcade it's learning and mastering the techniques the skills that you have and the enemies and the situations that you're going to encounter right it's like so that's really what it, that's why to me like i don't know it doesn't feel as much because it doesn't feel like there is that that level of randomness that you get in a lot of hmm. these roguelites. So that's actually why I like it more <laughs> than roguelites because it actually feels more like a crafted experience with some of these sort of elements that we've seen um, in recent games to make an arcade game feel um, more fun and more purposeful um, and actually gives me a bit of an incentive to master the systems to get through it. You know? Like that's... You know what I mean? Like instead of having a constant continue so I just push my way through the game and not actually get good at it it's like no here's the system that's gonna punish you for playing poorly but also encourage you to experiment like to and and we'll we'll also make it so that you're not just you're not just playing through a level for the sake of getting better it's like well here you can also unlock some things that will help you the next time you play you know what i mean like it's like it feels a little more tangible to me it's it's kind of a halfway house between the persistent overall progression of a roguelite mm-hmm. and i although it's an interesting application of the term arcade that crafted short setup that you play again and again to perfect of an arcade game yeah. I, I think that's the thing because it kind of sits in the middle it's a tricky one to describe um, yeah. it's, it's one i have for ps4 i haven't started it yet but it's one um i've been keeping my eye on and it does look really really excellent so yeah. well maybe um, next time when you start it up I'll, I'll play it alongside <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um because right now i just i wanted it it was on sale for quite a bit and like there was another like i had a coupon and stuff too so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna get it kind of want to support these folks because this smaller developer i'm like let's have fun mm. um so anyway that's sifu i recommend it the other one that i just started so i don't really have much to say is devil may cry 5 special edition uh i got this for free again because they have gamestop does that fucking get a 40 dollar game for free when you buy like what was it like five used games or whatever and so it was my birthday and i got a bunch of used games and i was like okie dokie Devil May cry five um i love Devil May cry i i've never played the first three but i played you know what i think i might have played dmc first like the the like new imagining and then i played the ninja Devil theory May cry one four. yeah yeah and so i played four the ninja theory one which i liked i think it's so fucking silly and it's edginess like it's so stupid but it's a fun game. <laughs> um, and then I played Devil May Cry 4. And so I've been kind of itching to play Devil May Cry 5. And this is like the special edition one is basically just the Xbox Series X one. It has like the Virgil mode added right into it. Um, it's very pretty. Um, it's fucking bonkers because it's Devil May Cry. <laughs> uh, I had to watch a video again to be like, what the fuck is the story of Devil May Cry again? I can't remember shit, man. It's been like, because like it was at least 2013 when I played dmc right like it's, it's, been, it's been almost a decade so i'm kind of mm. like i don't remember what's happened in these games um but stylish as, as fucking hell man um gorgeous fun combat fluid 
Um, Nero's new like mechanic arm thing he's got is super cool. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm playing the Nero Dante V path first because um, if I do come back later, I'll I'll try the Virgil. But I I don't think it's intended that you play Virgil first. Um, I feel like that's a campaign you're supposed to play after you've played the through the kind of standard way. So anyway, those are the games that I'm playing right now. That's it. <laughs> why don't we? Oh, why don't we talk about the one that we're all playing actually, um, mm-hmm. which is Dungeon of the Endless. Which I'll pop in real quick here. Um, I think I get it now a little more. I think I get it. <laughs> I think I do. Um, I played. I played a bunch more today actually, just so that I had something to fucking talk about on this segment. I was like, I was watching Stranger Things, the new season. I was like, I better fucking play this game. How good is it? I literally finished it just before we started. It's recording. great. That's it. You know what? Stranger Things is such a solid series, <laughs> start to finish. I, I'm it, loving it. Yeah, it's like an eight out of ten all the way through. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's that's how I would put it. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten all the way through, and like a good solid eight out of ten. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, so. The only thing with, the, I'm getting a one step from Eden vibe from this. You know what I'm saying? I still okay. Well, it's just okay. So I understand a bit more. Like as I, I'm playing on too easy mode because I realize that that's actually just normal mode and easy is clearly hard mode. I was like, mm-hmm. why? Why do you do that game? You're fucking clearly for a very niche audience. Anyway, <laughs> um. So, and also on the Switch, there's all these other little characters. So I've been playing as a pug. Um, the, pug the pug is weirdly overpowered. Well, it's because equip you can't items. equip items. Yeah. Which, yeah. but doesn't matter because the pug's so strong. <laughs> and you just level mm-hmm. the pug up and the pug just fucking decimates. Uh, and then Bulldozer as well, actually, because the Bulldozer is also very strong. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, okay. I got to like floor four. Five, I think I got to four or five um, in my last run. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I understand a little more now that like you're going through and you're... there's just no, I don't understand why I'm doing anything. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing really compelling me in this game. And I think that's where I'm getting hung up and, and why I, I, I mentioned it similar to One Step from Eden is that the tower defense stuff is okay. Um, I kind of understand more now, like the turning on the power. I figured out how to turn power on. I only learned that I could level up characters by accident. Uh, <laughs> I Do you know what? It, the irony is that's one of the few things your tutorial actually does tell you. Yeah. Well, I found the tutorial <laughs> afterwards. I only found it after because the first time I played it, um, the tutorial, it skipped on me. <laughs> If you flick the right stick left, what? I think it skips, which is such a dumb thing. It was so stupid. I and, and yeah. I didn't know how to find it back, so I only found it like later. I was trying to find it because I can like, do you it can't in the options it. menu. Yeah, yeah it's in the options it when you're on. playing the game. Yeah, so not at the start because I tried to find it at the start, yeah. so I played through right, and then eventually I found it, and I, I, I went through it, and I went, all right, well, kind of figured some of this stuff out by now. <laughs> yeah, but then anyway, the food I only really learned partway through. Anyhow, so I'm figuring the industry. It's to build your stuff, your things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too dissimilar from like Age of Empires. Yeah, it, you know, if you if you replace industry with wood, and oh oh stone, right, right, whatever, 
like science's research or whatever. It's and like forgetting food. equipment and research to like build new like new things and stuff. My issue is I just I still don't understand how anything works together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't understand what items are. I don't understand what any of the things I'm building do. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't really know. I know that I have to get things to a thing, but then monsters also just appear sometimes. And I That's know- in unpowered rooms. So, I mean, this is the thing with the game. Yeah. It, the game does such a terrible job of onboarding. We touched on this briefly last time, but having played more, like it, it does become more and more clear, particularly hearing your experience of, of oh, I just figured this out. It's like, oh, yeah. I've, but obviously I've played a bunch of this game previously. Yeah. And I, I kind of know what I'm doing with it because I've beaten the game before as well, not just played it before. So the, the whole game, in, in many ways, it's very RTS. It's all about managing your resources. Yeah. Um, but there's also a trade-off between like trying to stock those resources up, particularly um, industry, um, yeah, really to industry. build units to, to bring everything through. Industry is the most important resource because not only does it build all your defenses, but it also um, ensures that you can build the generators for your other resources, i.e. food and science. Exactly. Um, and the other thing with the monsters is they will spawn in one of two, well, three situations. Um, when you open a room for the first time, mm-hmm. um, when you open a new room and there is an unpowered room from which the monsters can spawn, um, and when you are moving the, the crystal that's your power source from any unlit room. Yeah. So the there thing- are situations where you can like stumble across the, the the stairs down in essence very early, have every room powered up, and just go. And here's the thing: I felt like here, yeah. little old me thought I was a smart guy, and I had found the path, and I had all the rooms lit up, and then I grabbed the crystal, and I didn't realize it just opened all the other rooms. <laughs> so I was like, "Yep, well, fuck me," <laughs> and then I died yep. on the fifth floor, and I was like. Uh, would have loved if the tutorial told me that when you pick up the crystal, all rooms open. <laughs> it's like it's also it's also worth saying to the extent that there is a story, it only really appears later on. Like yeah. once you get to floor ten, eleven, twelve, and it, it's a bit late by that point because, like you say, you're gonna toil on the early floors a little bit. At it first. is. This is a case of a game that um is clearly good mechanically. Like you know what I mean? Mm. Like there's nothing in this game that I'm like um that I have like major f- issues with um, besides communication. And it's interesting because I've, I haven't kind of fallen into this that often with games, because I feel like these days games are very careful about their audiences. Right. Um, but I'm noticing that in these roguelites there, there, there is this world now. And I don't know if it, it's a good thing. I don't know, but it's very much like, Oh, this is designed for a group. I think of, individuals who really enjoy this particular thing and then everyone else can fuck right off <laughs> like that's what it feels like i'm like so i'm glad yeah. you suggest because i would i would have I'm, I'm be real with you i would have dropped this game immediately had i had played this image and but but that being said i think i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to clear it once i think on too easy that's what I, that's my goal i'm gonna try to clear it once and then who knows maybe i'll enjoy it the further i get in um but at because like, like again because it's not it's not bad it's just it has a real communication issue <laughs> hey, well that's it's really good in fact in fact before i start waxing on about this and, and what i've done with it have you played much of it this past week paola do you want to ch- chip in i i haven't really played it this week so i re- i was really hoping that no. you get like uh around 
and the following week for the next week we're leaving. Oh, That's okay. sorry, guys. Live stuff on, haven't you? Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm, it's interesting for me because I played this on PC. And I think I was saying to you guys in the group chat that we've got going, um, it's noticeable, even just from memory, that the cadence is a little bit slower on Switch. Uh, you can pause at any time and like issue instructions that will be carried out when you resume the game. And because the camera's a little bit slower, um, you haven't got like mouse look or anything like that on here. And I think if I remember correctly, on some of the bigger maps on PC, when you go into the tactical map, which is um, ZL on Switch, um, on PC you can just click a point of it and go straight to it. You just don't have that facility, I don't think, on the on the Switch version. Um, it is worth saying that although they've, they've really had to stretch some of the button usage, I do think all the controls are very well mapped to Switch. I think it is a a good console conversion in terms of functionality. Uh, and the underlying game itself is excellent. It's the kind of game that really makes you agonize over every decision. Um, even on the easiest difficulties, if you wait around on a floor for too long, just trying to open everything, which I know for me in a lot of games is my temptation, those monsters just come thicker and faster and harder and make it really, really difficult for you. So there is a real push and pull of, do I want to keep exploring and try and find uh, another party member or a merchant or um, you know, a, a source of free food? Or do I want to bank what I've got and just get to the next floor? Um, the pixel art is exceptional, uh, really worth highlighting. And I personally am a massive fan of the music, particularly the title track um, on, the, on the main menu, which I love it. It's such a vibe. Um, the the onboarding experience is, is a, actual crap. It, it's true. It, it, there's just no sugarcoating it. It doesn't do a good job of introducing the new player to how to work it. And it's only really once, you know, if and when you put the pieces together of, of all the competing interests and what the game is expecting you to do and decide between and work out that it starts to make sense. And it's only really then as well that you get sort of insights to the wicked sense of humor the game has. So there's all manner of little sort of flavor text interactions between the different groups of people on the elevators between floors. Um, so many laugh out loud, little back and forth. It reminded me a lot of when I played Not a Hero and the little conversations they had in the cafe in between things. But that a lot of personality and stuff like that is hidden from view until you get a grasp on the gameplay. And I think that really is the crux, which is a shame because, again, the, the game itself is excellent. Um, I am intending to go back to, to PC at some point to, to do sort of direct fresh comparison. But as it stands as a Switch port, I've had a really good time with it. It's still very, very addictive. It's got like just one more flaw element to it. Um, it'd be nice to explore a few more of the characters as well. One of the perks of the Switch version is that it's the deluxe edition, so all the DLC comes pre-installed and pre-included. And I think you get far more characters just unlocked as yeah. standard. Uh, none of the pods, um, but the, the characters... There's one pod, the organic pod, pod, I think that was it. Possibly, yeah. But I think, for example, the library pod, that's part of the DLC, and you get the librarian character from the word go. Um, from memory, I thought, and if I'm wrong about this, let me know in the comments down below, just under the like button. I thought uh, that the library pod was unlocked as stock when you got that DLC as well. For whatever reason, in the deluxe edition, that's not the case. Um, 
but I, I'm really enjoying revisiting it. It's nice for me personally. Um, I do hope that you both um, find the fun in it and find your way past that initial misstep. Um, and, and the same to anyone else who's, who's playing it along with us. Um, any more thoughts, either of you two, before we jump onto the topic? Mm, not for now. No, nope, that's a no. And another. Yeah, I think for now oh. I'm just I'm just just gonna experience it and see what happens. <laughs> no. Spe- speaking of experiencing things and, and maybe experiencing things prematurely sometimes, uh, our topic this week is spoilers. So th- this was your suggestion, Alex. So do you want to sort of lead us into what you're thinking is behind this one? Yeah, well, I just thought we could talk a little bit about when is a spoiler a spoiler and what the heck are spoilers? Um, and something that I found that was kind of interesting about spoilers. Um, so why don't I start with, as every good video essayist does, um, the history of spoilers. <laughs> but just sort of jokingly, like there is this um, kind of accepted idea that like they kind of the idea kind of came about in the 70s there's like a it was in print in a magazine where like there was this segment where the guy would kind of tell you what happens in a movie and he's like i'm gonna like uh, you know spoiled essentially and they would like say like this is what happens within it and then as as time moves on it kind of becomes a more common uh, thing to refer to movies but i think as internet culture became a thing that's when it really was like huge right like on the internet you can remember like don't spoil it for me no spoilers like that kind of deal um and i think too like it's usually i think been referred to in film and and television um mostly that was where it kind of came from and then it bled over into games as games obviously became more narrative focused we started to hear that the spoiler thing and i would even argue that that was sort of in the 360 era like we've talked about this before narratively when uh when games became more narrative focused i think um Mm -hmm. i think that's probably when we sort of and also when people were more chronically online <laughs> and easier easier connected in you know forums and everything so it was a big deal um and so it's interesting because actually i kind of want to hit on this maybe first here before we even get into what are spoilers but i was reading a couple there's like a few articles and like a number of things that have talked about how like spoilers are kind of a good thing um weirdly enough for like people's um enjoyment of uh, entertainment and of media and so they talked about how like and obviously there's a degree to this right like i think if somebody sat down and told you the in fucking entirety of a game or novel or movie to you might hamper it a little bit but knowing a bit of where a piece of media is going or like what kind of the outcome might be or what a sort of final piece to something is can actually like increase the enjoyment of that particular media in viewers and and participants because apparently part of it is that it primes you for the narrative beats because analyzing narrative is actually a pretty taxing endeavor you know like it requires a lot of like brain power and it also requires that you have a finesse for understanding narrative and i think of that in particularly in films or in anything that's a little abstract it can be difficult and think even in a thriller where you don't know what's supposed to happen in it and you're trying to figure the piece out yourself which can be a little taxing and then maybe you get to what the resolution is and you're like oh that's not as good as what i was hoping right whereas sometimes if you actually kind of know what's coming before instead what you're doing is you're watching to see the pieces connect together right 
um, and you're instead focusing on something a little different. Um, so anyway, I, I thought that was kind of neat. I was like, oh, interesting. Like this uh, concept where like, actually, if you're a little spoiled on something, you might actually end up having a better time. <laughs> and, and from a yes. marketing perspective, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it also helps with setting expectations because sometimes when we come to a piece of work, whatever, if it's a book, a movie, or a video game, sometimes we have these wild expectations of where, as you said, the story or the mystery is going, but also in the in the game department, how the gameplay is going to be or like how the experience overall is going to be in like this little, uh, in this little box. As, and the thing is, is when those expectations are met, like, oh, the combat wasn't as good as I was expecting, or like the world exploration, no, the world was empty, or like uh, the map was a mess, or whatever, then like your expectations aren't exactly met, and then you feel disappointed. But when you know what to expect from something, then you enjoy it more for what it is instead of not enjoying it not enjoying it because you were thinking about what it could have been. I, I think the interesting thing with this is a lot of the discourse is very much film focused because that's where it started. I know um, for myself, I remember reading a while back that um, from a marketing perspective, trailers that kind of spoiled the story um, did better by some metric or other than trailers that didn't. It was specifically in context of um, a trailer for a film called Terminator Salvation which spoils the big plot twist of that film. Um, I think games are a little bit different because to the extent that your game is not super story focused, the spoiler doesn't really matter. Like if, if you know how Breath of the Wild ends, you, you still have 100 hours of game to play. You're not just passively experiencing that story. Um, that said, it's arguably sort of a heightened thing because the the whole thing that spoilers ruin, which is the um, the raw, fresh experience of a narrative beat, um, it's always going to be heightened by being an active participant in that narrative. And so it probably stings a little bit more to have something like that ruined. Um, yeah, I, I know for myself personally, I think I've talked about this before with Ghost Trick, um, that, that's the plot twist at the end of that was kind of ruined for me accidentally before I played the game. Game is still incredible. Story definitely didn't hit quite as hard as it would have done because I, I kind of knew what was coming, but didn't make the game any less excellent. When they talk about how spoilers to, like, if you are spoiled without your control, right? Because I know there are individuals, like my, my fucking, my girlfriend, God, fiance now, <laughs> but she, <laughs> um, she fucking spoils horror movies for herself because she doesn't want to watch them, but she wants to know what happens. So she'll just read the entire summary of the freaking movie <laughs> and like does this with plenty <laughs> movies. And so a lot of people like I, there, I think there are quite a few people who like to do this, but like you said, if, if you are spoiled without you knowing you're going to be spoiled, I think that removes some control, right. From your, mm. your experience of the thing that you're going for. And I also think it depends on the thing that gets spoiled, right? Like I, I'll be real with you. Like for like fantasy and like, I don't know sci-fi stuff and like it's just like west you know really just random stories uh like dramatic things if part of it gets kind of spoiled for me I, I don't really give a shit like you know what i mean like at the end of the day it's like um it's it's not as important to me but like 
something that I do think is a problem. And like when you think of, and again, I guess this is often with movies as well, but like comedies where comedies put like all the funniest shit in the trailer, it ruins it because now you've yeah. seen it. It's over. You can't, you can't go back, you know, like you've seen the joke and the joke is done now. Right. Um, and, and the joke is different because I suppose you can't recontextualize the joke in the sense that knowing a story beat can still be recontextualized in, the other things that happen around and before and after it. And you can still have some feelings with that. Like you say, once you've laughed, you've kind of already laughed. That's the problem, um, right? You've got the, the punchline's been hit. It's over. <laughs> but to go back to what you're saying, I, I think it is interesting to make a distinction between passive and active spoiling. Hmm. Because, the, you yeah. know, the active one, you and I think there's a bit of one of the articles that you linked to us when you were proposing this topic. Uh, it talks about the idea that some of this is about controlling how we consume media mm. um, and, and the rationale behind that. And obviously if someone spoils something for you inadvertently, that that is the seeding of all control and it, it, it plays things a little bit differently there as well. And I think when we, when we talk about spoiling, we we're talking probably more specifically about that passive kind anyway, um, because that that's the kind where, you maybe weren't intending to be, but someone's ruined something for you. Um, do I do I think it's good? Not really. I think it almost universally bad because that that's uh, a moment of sort of genuine experience and emotion that's that's taken from you. I think that the more interesting question is whether there's a, a, a statute of limitations on spoilers and how you how you limit that. I mean, we were just to go back to strange things. We were talking about this literally earlier today because uh, uh, my girlfriend who I was watching it with had, had seen a friend and they're like, oh, there's a big plot twist in the final episode. And I'm like, oh no, don't tell me that because now I'm looking out for that. I'm not yeah. just enjoying the story. I'm like, where's the twist going to be? Still a great episode, but it colors your experience, right? Yeah. And is that is that a spoiler in the traditional sense? Not really. Does it color how I experience that media? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but... <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah, know, because in that case, like, yeah, I, I do tend to think, like, spoilers is, like, something that, like, reveals a truth about, like, you know, the game, the media, the narrative, whatever. But this is also interesting, because I do feel like we consider spoilers to be narrative reveals, right? Like, yeah. telling us things about the narrative. Because when I think about... Again, maybe legacy of movie. Yeah, right? Mm, hmm. I think there's a difference between movie and game spoilers in the sense that... I've talked with people that consider gameplay, if you tell them, oh, this is going to play this and that way, or for example, oh, there's going to be like this and that boss in this game, then that is a spoiler for them. Or for example, and this is more prevalent on the vision novel slash otome communities, the CGs, like the pretty pictures that you unlock as you play, people don't usually like them to don't like to see them before they get to them because it, unlocking, the, unlocking them is part of the experience and thus it is kind of a spoiler. And they will also hint at story beats. I know um, yeah. some of the art books that comes with game, come with games like that will have like a splash on the first page that says uh, this might contain spoilers for the whole game. Uh, when I played World End Syndrome, that was certainly the case. Uh -huh. it's like please don't read this until you played the game yeah and see that's actually part of like because i do think too though that i feel like the gameplay but i feel like that's a much smaller you know amount of people who 
are bothered by that. And because I'd also say even like bosses, like arguably that's that's tied in within the narrative, right? Like, oh, you're gonna encounter yeah. this particular boss, right? Um, I know obviously there are individuals who um, maybe you don't like hearing gameplay spoilers, listener, but <laughs> uh, but I know like personally, if someone tells me like you're gonna do this thing, I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know why it just doesn't seem to trigger something as much for me um, in terms of that. But and again, I also... you almost sorry, go on. I was gonna say, I, I was just gonna say you. <laughs> You go first. Oh right? my God. <laughs> you, you, you almost want, in terms of the gameplay, it's just a brief side anyway, you almost want that expectation setting because as opposed to uh, media that you're just having sort of broadcast to you, you're an active participant in that side of things. So you almost want to know if it's going to be the kind of thing that, that you might enjoy or not. Uh, and, you know, when you look at game previews and demos and things like that, actually that is you trying to spoil what the gameplay is going to be like. Yes. So as to inform your purchasing decision. And again, that, that's a weird sort of uh, point of difference and comparison between how they work for games versus other mediums. Well, and you, I think about it too. One Step from Eden, there's an example where I believe there was some narrative component to that game. Ah. And the marketing kind of made me think there was a bit of that. And then when I played it, I was like, fucking what <laughs> I was like, there's none and i'm like that's i guess it's fine but then you see like that mis- disconnect and i even argued the recent doctor strange movie um i won't go into like i, won't go into spoilers. I know exactly what you mean though and kind of yes it, there, yeah. there was a little bit of a bait and switch right there's a bait and switch between their marketing and it's not what i expected and then when i went in and watched the film i went fuck you no why did you do that to my favorite character? <laughs> that moment, right? was like, what is wrong with you? Like, you know, like I had that that feeling. Where I was like, God damn it. I thought I was coming in for, you know, a very different experience. A very different movie. Yeah. And then I get this movie that's worse than the movie that I thought I was coming for. It's <laughs> like, damn yeah. it. Um, yeah. So, you know, like it's a danger, right? Like if you don't actually set up my expectations of what I'm going to see, I think there's a higher likelihood of me going. Hur. But then also there's that difference of sometimes it also depends though right because if it's a media that you know you want to engage with right i know i want to engage with this so i look up everything about it then i want to know things right but there's also the case wherein there's a surprise thing and you know nothing about it and you simply are curious and then you go in and you have a fun experience because you had no idea what you're getting into i think about that when i went to see the movie first cow incredible incredible film uh yeah yeah, yeah. look it up you know what? Don't just watch it. It's great. Uh, it actually is a, a lovely movie. Um, but I also think of strange horticulture. I knew fucking nothing about it, but I was like, well, this seems interesting. Why don't I try it out? And then I get super excited about it. Right. Chicory is another one, right? Like I just went in. Right. But at the same time, it's like, those were unknowns. You know, they're not part of some big, larger thing that I have a big investment in. And I think maybe even that's where I kind of want a little more information. I think of, some Nintendo games like Kirby, I'm glad that I knew that it wasn't an open world game and that it was level-based because that helped set my expectations. I've heard from some individuals who thought that game was fully open world um, and get a little disappointed when they start to play it because they're like, oh, I mean, this is still fun, but it's not what I thought it was, right? Um, Because marketing doesn't really show you that it's actually level-based. If they mention it, they'll say like (laughs) level-based. But they don't really, you know what I mean? They're not like going super hard on that. So I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts, Paola? What do you think? Thinking that mainly some of the best experience that I have in video games in general is, and I know absolutely nothing about what I'm gonna going to, especially like I'm thinking Breath of the Wild, which 
by the way, I only watched like the three or four trailers and I managed to go like completely media blackout nice. for months before I jump into the game. But also like Cafanchante that it has a history with the with the uh, fandom, with the Tome fandom, and for a reason. And I think that going again completely not knowing anything about it was the best decision I've made uh, game-wise in my life. Mm -hmm. And the same with Code Realize. But for example, I think about Stainsgate and I actually knew a couple of things in the story, but that also helped me, like, I guess, set my expectations on how to approach the game in particular. And especially on how the, I guess, the messaging system in the game works and how it affects the story. And at that point, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to use a guide. I'm not going to go blind into this one. And yeah, yeah, in general, like going, unless there's like something stupidly, stupidly like convoluted in the game that my like dampen your enjoyment of it like sorry i love stains but yeah that system to get the true ending was stupid um i rather not know like know the very minimal like okay this is like this kind of gameplay it, it it's I, I can see like the this a skeleton of a story going on here like yeah that that looks good to me and i'm gonna play it or, oh, yeah, this developer does stuff that I like. Or, oh, there's this writer and that writer working on it. So, yeah, this is going to be good. But I usually don't like to go into a game knowing what to, what to expect. So I'm like the wrong person to ask about if I think spoilers are good or bad. I usually think they're bad. <laughs> One thing I would absolutely love to touch on, at least before we wrap this up, is whether we think there's a statute of limitations on spoilers, and if so, what? Um, I know I've had a couple of heated debates with people about um, FF7 and its famous spoilery plot twisty thing. Oh, I know um, that one. I never even beat that game. I, 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 I imagine everyone <laughs> listening I don't know what goes, you're talking about, guys. Uh, okay. You uh, don't know? Wow, okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's keep it that way then. But obviously... It's an interesting one because that game came out over 25 years ago now. Discounting the remake, which, as I gather, does things slightly differently anyway, although I've managed to avoid uh, finding out exactly why, because I do plan on playing that at some point. Oh, well, the um, reason is that... It... <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> I was right next to the disconnect button. I really was. That call was getting terminated. But, I couldn't resist. Uh, I, I did tee that up. But discounting the the remake existing, is 25 years long enough? Do you get to just talk freely about that situation I think in the, that sense? I think the reality is there there is no like statute of limitations for spoilers because there's always new fuckers being born. <laughs> they just don't get to experience it, you know? Like, I but think, again, I think that's... Sorry, go on. Yeah, I think to myself, it's like, there are some real classic games that I've just never beaten. Um, and 
I would prefer them not to be spoiled for me, but <laughs> I also know that a lot of them just will end up being spoiled. So I don't, I don't know. I like my thing is, I think as long as you give a little warning, like we're going to talk about this, then go to town. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Just because you never know who isn't, who hasn't experienced it. Right. Because personally, I just don't want to be the guy who, ruin something for someone you know what i mean like even if it's unintentionally i'm like oh shit that was me damn um but i do think if you give a warning that it's fucking fair game man like you warn them (laughs) and i I have to say my mind's been changed on that one because i used to be of the opinion that well you know games are harder and harder to to play the further time out they go ff7 is slow as all hell today and like you know if, if it gets spoiled it gets spoiled but i think it's one of those where it's just so little effort to say ah we're going to talk about this, just FYI. I, yeah. I just think it's a non-issue. Well, exactly, right? Because I, I just don't think that it's fair to never... Because I, I think about this a lot, actually, even with our podcast. I think about how, like, there's times where I really do want to delve in to, like, the specifics of a game, right? And get really, really specific in it. But then I also recognize that, like, maybe I should do that on the forums again or something. Give my spoilers. I mean, that's too much work on it. Hmm. But maybe I should. <laughs> because it's like there is value in discussing the intricacies of a game and of its narrative, right? And so if we never do that, just on the off chance of, you know, spoiling someone, then I think you lose a, a, a lot. But then also the reality is when you do delve into the spoilers, I'm not fucking watching unless I've played that game. So, you know. Also very true. Yeah. Like, for I'm sure. sure our It Takes Two spoiler cast is probably one of the lowest listened to because people probably want to play before they do that you know what i mean um, the only being there's not that and not narrative anyway gameplay is a bit narratively there's almost nothing to spoil like from the outset of that game you have a pretty good idea of where it's going yeah true but that's yeah, just but uh, yeah. yeah now that i think about it it plays two it takes two is one of the games where it's like oh you want do you don't want to spoil like the the gameplay on this one instead yeah. of the story it's an interesting sort of flip of almost all the other situations we've been talking about just because of the nature of the game. You're right. Yeah, that one is, I guess. That That is the, uh, what is it? The, the exception that proves the rule. The exception rule. that proves the rule. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. It, I was actually curious now because I wanted to check because we can check our stats on our like uh, our episodes and stuff. So listeners, you know, uh, ooh, fun, fun details in here. But I'm curious to see in the spoiler cast if there actually is any difference because I could just be talking out my ass here. And it could be that they get the exact same amount. No, yeah, they're like half of what half. our usual listeners. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, I wonder if over time they become more though because they're game specific. That'd be yeah. an interesting one to keep an eye out on. But then again, our numbers are crazy all over the place. To be honest with you, because like also true, we're a yeah. podcast, so like sometimes some. But actually, okay, you know what though? Our fucking thirteen sentinels one is one of our most listened to ones. And that was a full spoiler cast. So I don't Vindification. Fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bad. if oh that's full listen throughs, I don't know. But yeah, so maybe, maybe, maybe that means nothing. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, one, one little addendum to all of this. It's interesting because we, we have got a guest coming on in a couple of weeks. And actually one of the discussions that we had hmm. um, with them prior to them coming on was, well, if we talk about like some of your games, should we spoil a warning? They were like, you know, I'm not really... Not really super fussed. Um, and I think we ended up settling on, we, we will just flag at the beginning, we are going to talk about everything. So go and play them first if you don't want to be spoiled kind of thing. And they're 
Oh, wait, that'll be a spoiler. But anyway, <laughs> spoiler uh, for the episode. I was going to give away. Oh, Shadow, don't spoil it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. There we go. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that was a, uh, was a fun little chat there. Um, I think, you know, Rick's mentioned, we definitely in the future will have to talk about games marketing because I think that's something that we've never really talked about, actually. And I would love to dig in on that because what a minefield that world be very is. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's so many different angles to view that from. Like, there's the Dead Island torso angle there's like the the bullshot colonial marines angle there's so many different ways you can look at things there's also like the good side of it as well not just the trashy horrible side anyway okay another thing for another time well it's time for how long to beat the game uh i am hosting this week um which because i think we've had have we done is, is this, this will this complete the, full, the first full first run circuit. Okay, okay. of the, standard... the second go of the new format of uh, the How Long to Beat the Game. Yeah. It all makes sense, <laughs> folks. <laughs> nice and simple. Um, okay, so let's see here. The game that you will be doing is... I think we've done that. Oh, fascinating. Mm, but does it have enough? Hold on one sec. I just Ooh. want to make sure that it has enough. Okay, okay, this one has more than enough. All right, we're going to do Dragon Ball Z Budokai 3 uh. for the PlayStation 2, 3, and Xbox 360. Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. How do you write Budokai? Budokai, uh, B-U-D-O-K-A-I. Budokai. Just Budokai. It's not Budokai Tenkaichi. No, just Budokai. Just Dragon Ball Z just Budokai 3. I fucking love these games, man. Good old Budokai games. I have not played any of them. I used to play the Budokai <laughs> Neither games. have I, so this is going to be interesting. Does it have a time. proper story mode? It must do. Uh, I don't know. You win um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one I believe does. But, well, okay, the missions. I don't really know if it's a story mode. It's been a while. I don't know if I played Budokai 3. I think Budokai Tenkaichi 2 or whatever was the one that I really played. Um Let me see. Budokai, Tenkaichi. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a game mode called Dragon Universe, according to the Dragon Ball wiki. That yeah, looks like This the is the one that I played. The PlayStation mode. 2 and the Wii game. Yeah, I played this shit on the Wii. Budokai, the Wii. Tenkaichi 2. Yeah. That, no, no, no. Uh, 3 wasn't on Wii. 3, the, sorry. I'm, I'm going to confuse you guys. 3 is a PS2, PS3, Xbox 360 exclusive. From uh, North America in 2004. Mm. Oh no, it is a fighting game. It's not like one of the Dragon Ball Z adventure games. It's yeah, it's a be Namco hard. Bandai game. Mm. I'm gonna cry. This is gonna not gonna go well for me. <laughs> okay. Now, in addition to the main, main plus and hundred percent times, um, what Alex, is what is the, the bonus? Extra? question that yeah, you're I'm going thinking to about about. yeah i'm thinking about it uh let's see oh, okay. <laughs> while you get it uh while you get it here i guess i couldn't have said any of the platform that you said hmm hmm Yeah, you know what? Let's do um what is the total number of replays 
for this. Replays. Yeah. Replays. Okay. The total number of logged replays. Yeah. That's something different. <laughs> okay. All my all my answers are with you. Sweet. Okay. I've got Rick's. My answer for replays is oddly arbitrary, but the number popped into my head and I went with it. No, I think that's a good strategy. You know, go with I, I've got no better strategy for Dragon Ball Z Budokai 3. <laughs> I haven't even watched Dragon Ball, man. I've got no frame of reference really? whatsoever. Oh. I've, I've literally, I've played Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure on the GBA. Great and that's my on the only knowledge of the franchise. Yes, great little game. I gotta say, Dragon Ball, there's a, a really good... Origin. I downloaded, like, the uh, the cut where it's, like, um, someone, like, recut to get rid of all the stupid filler and shit. And uh, really excellent, because the first Dragon Ball is, like, uncomfortably horny um <laughs> yeah i've heard that actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty gross at times i'm gonna be real with you um but like the overall that sounds story... terrible where can i find it yeah i know everyone's like oh alex bad 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 um can i have a where? link <laughs> like, <laughs> all right he's up <laughs> uh but dragon ball z is my childhood man i would wake up in the mornings because it would play super early here it would be like 6 a.m and i would put mm. it in vhs and i recorded episodes and I remember the entire Cell tournament arc. Me and my younger brother, like I record that, and we'd watch those all the time. God, they were good. I remember with Freeze, he's charging up the spirit bomb for like six episodes. Fucking unbelievable. Hey, I've cousins, yeah? cousins that are the same. We just didn't have the channel that it aired on in the UK, so it just went completely past me. I do think that Dragon Ball Z, if you were not a fan, is insufferable now. Um mm. There's just no way. Oh, okay, okay. Paula's put it in there. Sorry, I was just checking yeah, away. Pillar like, <laughs> <Hill are> over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see here. So Paula for Maine has said 10 hours, and Rick has said three hours. So the actual time is 10 and a half hours. Oh, good. Boom. Point for Paula there. All right. I'm going to put that on okay. there. Okay. So for Maine Plus, Rick has said five hours. Paula has yeah. said. 15 hours the actual time is 16 and a half hours another point for paula oh we're getting close up here um okay mm. next for 100 oh there's a big difference between you two paula has said 20 hours but rick has said 60 hours mm. let's see the actual time is 24 hours Oh, Damn, Paula! Paula swept the board! Wikipedia says there are 11 different playable characters. Some people are lying about their 100% completions. I do so, not accept that. <laughs> now, um, the final the final one here. And this one, again, it's worth two points, though, so who knows? Um, let's see. Number of replays. Rick has said 18. Paula has said 50. Rick, you're a lucky boy because it's 20. Oh, oh my God. God. Almost. So Rick has just pulled forward. I feel like we should maybe make that one only worth one point. I don't know why it's worth two, but anyway. <laughs> I should make it a nice round five if I remember correctly. Also, it's a bit of fun, right? Like, fun. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It is fun. Um, so this means now that we're, this is anybody's game. So Paula and I are tied at five points and Rick is at six points. So Rick is just ahead by one here. So really, this that is anyone's game. That two took me from third to first. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. So Paula did a real... Uh, Real uh, jump up there. So now um, we're entering into our second round of this. So we'll see. And I think by the end of it, maybe we'll, I don't know. 
it'll be, I think we, we did two rounds last time, right? So probably two rounds this time, maybe three. Two, three, something like that. Yeah, we'll see how that we get. sounds reasonable. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, that's it for this week's episode. We will see you all next week. Thank you.